It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Finally, it's game week with Joey Galloway and Greg McElroy. I'm Wendy Nix, and we start this afternoon with a look at this week's college football rankings brought to you by Verbo. And you can guess there's not a lot of disagreement at the top. Alabama has the number one spot, 54 of a possible 63 first-place votes. Ohio State received the second-most votes with six, followed by Georgia, the defending champs, with three. Notre Dame did not receive any first-place votes, but that could change after Saturday, and here's the reason why. Because at 7.30 Eastern on ABC, Notre Dame and Ohio State will meet for the seventh time. The Irish won the first two meetings, 1935 and 36, but the Buckeyes have won the last four, all by double digits. Saturday also marks the third matchup in this series with both ranked top five in the AP poll. Most recently, the number four Buckeyes knocked off the number five Irish at the 2006 Fiesta Bowl. And to add a little more context to just how big a week one game this is, it's just the 11th game in the AP poll era between a pair of top five teams in their respective season openers. Holly Rowe joins us now from South Bend, Indiana. And Holly, Tyler Buckner will make his first career start, and he will do it against Ohio State. Uh, how do you get ready for a game like that? I know you've had a chance to sit down with him. Well, you know, they talk about him being extra prepared, that he is the guy that might be the most prepared on the team. His roommate, Lorenzo Stiles, said, I see him every night, the study he puts in, the film study he puts in. But more importantly, he's got some maturity and some leadership. We asked him what this week, game week, is finally like. I think there's a little bit of juice in the air. And, you know, you go through camp and, you know, it's all these practices and it's like, you know, game when's game week, when's game week, it's all building up and you have, you know, 15 or so practices. And so, you know, now that we're finally in game week, you know, you could sort of feel it in the air in the building. Um, guys are excited and, um, you know, there's, I would just say there's a there's something in the air that, you know, gets people going for practice and, and meetings and getting to the more guys are spending more time in the building and things like that. There is something in the air here. They said there's an excitement, attention, an energy that is around practice this week as they gear up for the Buckeyes. But talking about Tyler Buckner, their new quarterback, a new QB1 for this entire team, and they say they love his leadership and maturity. 
Now he's a young quarterback, but he acts like he's a veteran. He's very mature in his role, and he really kind of embraces himself like he's already been there for a couple of years in that starting role. So it wasn't like stepping in, and then it was a new quarterback. It was somebody that seems like he's been there, and he's been learning the whole time he's been there. So he's just really ready for this role, and he's just very well-rounded as a quarterback. I mean, I don't think anyone realizes how smart of a football player he is. He really knows how to like control the team. He's a great leader, of like on and off the field. And I'm super excited to see like where he's gonna where he's gonna take us this season. So I asked him where does he get that leadership ability from, and he said, "Well, you know, it all started at recess. Sometimes quarterbacks get asked to pick the teams. You're put into a leadership role at an early age. So he's ready for this. He's been pre preparing for this moment for his entire life." Holly, Marcus Freeman was asked yesterday about being 17 and a half point underdogs. He said, look, I'd like it. I'd like to use it as motivation. Did he add anything else to that today? Yeah, I talked to him about it for a long time. And he said, you know, at first I was like 17 and point, 17 and point five. I'm not going to talk about that with my team. That's so negative. And then he was like, then I got mad about it. And he's like, I said it in the team meeting. They don't think we're going to be great. 17.5. He definitely used that in the team meeting on Tuesday, and he said, but don't make a mistake about it. I wasn't doing that so that they would get motivated for the game. I was doing it so they would get ready for Tuesday practice. That practice is what I needed their energy and focus and attention for. And he said, you know, fall camp's been a long grind, and you're constantly looking for little things that you can do to get your team's attention going into a practice day, and that's how he did it. I thought that was kind of brilliant. That was about practice. And um, he's very positive. He said, moving forward, it's going to be only about Notre Dame and how good they can be and what they're doing together all the positives moving forward. But, yeah, he saw it. He's like, I had to use it. You know what? It's been a long summer, and finally game week is here. Holly, thank you. You're welcome. We know Ohio State will feature a great offense this season, but what about their defense? ESPN's FBI FPI has the Buckeyes with the 11th best defense in the FBS, and they will face an Irish offense that ranks 13th in the country. Notre Dame, as you heard and we talked about, has named sophomore Tyler Buckner as their QB1 for week one. That will be the first for him at the college level. Joey, let's start with this. How do you size up the matchup between Notre Dame's offense and this Ohio State defense? I've heard Jim Knowles' name spoken more than Ryan Day or C.J. Stroud when talking about this Ohio State football team. Uh, because of their defense and the way they struggled last season, Jim Knowles comes in and is supposed to fix this defense, make it more aggressive, uh, make it able to stop the run. So it's interesting to go against a team like Notre Dame with a physical offensive line that wants to run the football. When we watched Ohio State last season, uh, games against Minnesota to open the season, a lot of rushing yards. Games at the end against Michigan, a lot of rushing yards. Oregon, a lot of rushing yards. So it'll be a great test for this defense to start this season against a team like Notre Dame that wants to be physical. They have a young quarterback, so you know they want to possess the ball and be physical up front and run it. So this will be a great test. I don't know that Notre Dame will have the horses at the end of the day to hang with this Ohio State team, especially because offensively they're going to put up a lot of points. But the matchup between the defense of Jim Knowles and a new look for Notre Dame will be fun to watch. Well, I think Notre Dame's offensive firepower is very much underappreciated, not because it should be, it's just because so much of the conversation is centered around Ohio State's offensive firepower. Do not take for granted what Tyler Buckner can do with his legs. Now, he might not necessarily be able to live in the pocket and just carve you up like C.J. Stroud can, but his 
legs and athleticism, especially in quarterback designed runs, could make for a long day for Ohio State pass rushers. If he can, for whatever reason, get north and south, if those pass rushers on the edges, if they over pursue, and you reference it, Joey, this is an aggressive defensive philosophy that Jim Knowles has implemented. If they get overly aggressive, Buckner's legs can keep them honest. And then, of course, you look at the other personnel that they're going to have to rely on. The offensive line is excellent, should be very, very good again this year. That's to be expected. Every year, Notre Dame trots out one of the better offensive lines in college football. But Chris Tyree is a home run hitter at running back. And I think pound for pound, the best end of line tight end, Brock Bowers notwithstanding, he's a perimeter guy. And end of line tight end, the best in the business is Michael Mayer. So those two guys... Tyree at running back, Michael Mayer at tight end, coupled with Buckner's legs, could make for a difficult plan offensively for Ohio State to slow down, especially if they're overly aggressive and they try to pin their ears back with crazy fire trying to come after the quarterback in the passing posture. Talk about a tough test right out of the gate. And as Holly mentioned, 17 and a half point underdogs. That's where the Irish stand as we speak. But, fellas, as we say, that's why they play the game and what a lineup it is on ABC and the ESPN app. You can see Georgia begin their title defense against Oregon. That game at 3.30. Then Ohio State hosting Notre Dame in Columbus. That's our Saturday night game. And you can cap off the weekend with Florida State and LSU. 7.30 Eastern on Sunday. Our own Greg McElroy on the call for that game. Here are new few uh, faces in several new places to keep an eye on for week one. Quarterback Quinn Ewers transfers from Ohio State to Texas, where he earned the starting job. Caleb Williams took over as Oklahoma's QB last season, but then Lincoln Riley went to USC and Williams followed. Finally, Mario Cristobal will make his debut as Miami head coach after going 35 and 13 with Oregon. Greg, it doesn't have to be among those, but what debut are you most anticipating over the weekend? Well, maybe it's because I'm a South Lake Carroll Dragon, but it's it's Quinn Ewers. And, and I don't know if I've ever been around a player, at least in my short time in this industry, where there's been more hype about a guy that has yet to do anything at the college level. Of course, it all circulated about him leaving school early, high school early, that is, to enroll at Ohio State. That was after he had committed to Texas, and he was the poster child for the NIL changes and why there needs to be changes in Texas and he couldn't earn in high school, so we went to college early. Now he's transferred back home to the place that he originally called his home prior to committing to Ohio State. So I think even though it's not necessarily against any team of significance, with all due respect to Louisiana Monroe, they should roll. It should roll rather easily on Saturday. But Quinn Ewers is a guy that we've been waiting years to see at this level. Will he live up to the expectations against lower-level competition? hopefully for the Texas Longhorn fans, knowing what comes week two when the Crimson Tide come to town. And I don't know who uh, made up that list, Greg, but how do you leave off Dan Lanning with Oregon going against Georgia? There's been so much talk about Ohio State and Notre Dame that I think we've overlooked a little bit the Oregon-Georgia matchup with Dan Lanning leaving Georgia with a defense that we hadn't seen play like that in a long time and what they did last season winning the national championship for Georgia. Now he goes to Oregon. And this is a chance for not just Oregon, but the Pac-12 to make a statement. We always have these conversations about strength of conference. There are some early season matchups where the Pac-12 will have a chance to make a statement against a team like Georgia 
which we'll talk about for the rest of the season. So every time we talked about the Pac-12 this offseason, it's been surrounded UCLA, uh, USC leaving for the Big Ten, uh, them trying to get a TV deal done. It has just felt like a lot of negative talk attached to the Pac-12. What a better way to turn this thing around and get off to a great start in this season if Dan Lanning can find a way to knock off number three Georgia to start this season. That would be a great start, not just for Oregon, but for the Pac-12. So that is the early season debut that I'm looking forward to see. There's little question, Joey, that it would redefine the season for both of those teams for different reasons, should that be the case. Elsewhere in college football, more than 80 members of the Florida A&M team have signed a scathing letter they sent to the school in the wake of that huge loss to North Carolina, saying deficiencies in the athletic department led to 26 players being ineligible for that game. Among their complaints, there's issues with financial aid, lack of staffing for academic support and compliance, lack of access to summer school classes, and then limiting available courtesy tickets for players' families. FAMU players considered not playing in that game. It earned the school a $450,000 check from UNC. This is what they said on Friday after much dialogue within our team. We decided to play at UNC. We determined that we would not play for this institution, but for our families, teammates, classmates, our rabid fan base, and our coaches who had prepared us and love us. Still to come on College Football Live, fresh off their first ever Pac-12 title, Utah travels across the country in their opener against Florida. Could there be trouble in the swamp? Plus, we'll hear from Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman's unique take on the challenges of facing last year's playoff darling Cincinnati. You don't want to miss what he has to say. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is a huge game. Up in my chain, hitting like Kings back in his hometown when them wheels hitting. I touch down. Welcome back to College Football Live. We've got a legit top 25 showdown in Fayetteville on Saturday between Cincinnati and Arkansas. Cincy, as you recall, became the first ever Group of Five team to make the playoff last year, while Arkansas went nine and four the most wins in a decade. However, Cincy will have to replace some key players they lost to the NFL this summer if they are to get back to the playoffs, including cornerback Sauce Gardner, who went fourth overall to the Jets, and starting QB Desmond Ritter, who went to the Falcons in round three. Overall, the Bearcats lost five players drafted in the top 100. Yesterday, Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman spoke about facing these Bearcats. You know, you don't know exactly what they're going to do, but um, I think uh, we've got enough defense in that we can attack whatever we see. You know, I think the first couple series are going to be really important to figure out kind of what they're bringing to the party, 
You know, some guys bring iced tea and some guys bring liquor. And you just got to figure out what they're bringing. I mean, you got to love that. I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. But I will say this, Greg, it is an opportunity for his team opening against a top 25 team like Cincinnati. Should Arkansas pull it off? What does it prove to you about that team? Well, I think it's as much about Cincinnati as it is about Arkansas. I really like Arkansas this year. I feel like they're going to have a ground-and-pound approach. And guess what? The last time we saw Cincinnati, they didn't handle that very well. Alabama ran right down their throat time and time and time again in the college football playoff semifinal. What will they do now, having lost those six players in the top 109 draft picks? Not all of those on defense, but I can tell you this, man. They were not ready for the physicality that Alabama brought to them in the trenches. Arkansas is built very similarly to Alabama when it comes to trying to establish the run, except the only difference is Arkansas has a 230-pound quarterback in K.J. Jefferson that also wants to contribute in the run game. So I think it's a very difficult matchup for Cincinnati. Arkansas doesn't take anyone lightly. They'll definitely be ready to go in this one. And I know Cincinnati's going to try to make sure that people don't think they were a one-year wonder, but it might be a really tall order this weekend against the Hogs, Joey. I think it's important for Arkansas to get off to a, a big start in this season just simply because they're in SEC West. If you look later on in September, they have Texas A&M and Alabama back-to-back, -back, which will be tough games to win if they can pull that off. So you need to get off to a really good start, get a top 25 win if you can knock off Cincinnati, a Cincinnati team that will be ready to play. We know Luke Fickle, regardless of who he has back, regardless of what players he has, He'll have that team ready to play because it'll also be a huge feather in the cap of Cincinnati to knock off an SEC opponent. But if I'm looking at Arkansas and what they bring back, they lose a couple of their receivers. But I like K.J. Jefferson. Uh, and, and, Greg, I know how you like running quarterbacks in this show. K.J. Jefferson, I believe, led that team in rushing. It's going to be key for him to get those rushing yards and move the chains for this football team as they try to figure out what they're going to do out wide when they do have to throw the ball. Huge chance for Arkansas to get a big win early to get off to a great start because it gets tough really quick. That game, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. Really some tough tests right out of the gate for a number of teams. We will stay in SEC country and talk just a little bit about the Florida Gators. Uh, they will open their season on Saturday to last year's Pac-12 champs, Utah. Cam Rising returns to lead the Utes under center, while Anthony Richardson, who has a fair amount of NFL draft buzz, is QB1 for the Gators and their new head coach, Billy Napier. Napier can get into the good graces of Gator Nation by extending Florida's streak of 32 consecutive on-field wins and season openers, the longest streak in SEC history. He will have to do so, though, against a Utah team that has their preseason ranking, their best preseason ranking in program history. Joey, it seems like an opportunity here, not just for Utah, but the Pac-12, who, as you mentioned earlier, we have not talked as much about in the preseason. Yeah, I love what the Pac-12 is doing here with Oregon playing Georgia, and then this is another chance for the Pac-12 to make a statement. If Utah can go on the road and knock off a Florida team, number one, it gets their season off to a great start, but it makes people believe. We think that Utah is a pretty good football team, but can they do it year in, year out? Can they be consistent? Uh, everyone believes that they'll win the Pac-12, 
Well, what a chance to make a statement early on to go on the road and knock off a Florida football team. I think it sends a message, not just to the country, that, that Utah is, can, has a chance to be a great team, but it sends a message to the Pac-12 that Utah is back. They're a deep football team that has recruited well. Can they get the consistency that we've been looking for from a team in the Pac-12? And a lot of these conversations we have, can they get on the national scene? Can they be there at the end? Do they get into the playoff? Well, games against Georgia for Oregon, games against Florida for Utah go a long way in those conversations when we get to the end. Well, when you look at Utah, I mean, they really found themselves down the stretch, and they probably were at their best against Ohio State on a big, bat, big platform there being the Rose Bowl. Cam Rising was phenomenal. Who knows if he stays healthy in that game? Is it a different outcome? Some people suggest it would have been. I don't know for sure. I don't like to play the hypothetical game, but Cam Rising's a star. He also, I think, has some really good weapons at running back that are going to establish a physical presence, and they have some really good pieces at wide receiver. They lose Britton Covey, and that'll be difficult to replace, but they have four or five guys that could step up and make a play on third down at any one given time. And then defensively on the front seven, they're going to make life very difficult for Anthony Richardson, the quarterback for Florida. They're going to come after him from a lot of different places, and they're going to be really physical going sideline to sideline. So I think it's going to be a really tough matchup for the Gators because this Utah has been in big environments and will not be phased at all whatsoever when they head to the Swamp. I tell you what, as interesting as this week is, guys, it's fascinating to think what we will know next week because unlike some years, and we saw this a little bit last year, week one really matters. There's some important matchups for a number of teams. And guess what else? The backyard brawl is back. It's been a minute, but we've got West Virginia and Pitt on Thursday. Could the Panthers actually face a disadvantage playing at home? We'll explain. Time now for our best moment presented by AT&T 5G. The Pitt Panthers winning their first ever ACC championship last season. Kenny Pickett now on the Steelers. Led Pitt to a big win over Wake to win the conference title. Pitt now opens their season Thursday against West Virginia. You know it as the backyard brawl, and it's supposed to be a home game for the Panthers. However, according to our friends at Vivid Seats, 75% it's not a typo, 75% of the fans in attendance will be rooting for West Virginia. Greg, no, sir. Listen, it's supposed to be home field advantage. Is it home field disadvantage for Pitt, given those numbers? Uh, I don't know if it'll be a disadvantage, but I can tell you this. West Virginia fans will show up and show out. That place will be wild. I love this rivalry. So glad it's back. And so glad it's kicking off the season in style there on Thursday. Yeah, a long time ago when I played for the Seahawks in the Great Kingdom, uh, it used to be the same thing. John Elway comes to town, you'd think we were in Denver. You get used to it. As a player, you go out between the lines. You don't hear the crowd anyway. Go take care of your own business. All right, gentlemen, I expect you both to show up and show out. We've got Greg and Baton Rouge for that LSU game. Joey, make your way north to Bristol, Connecticut to spend the weekend talking about college football. We are back. Looking forward to a tremendous week one, but first, college football back tomorrow, 3.30 Eastern. See you then.